Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and Russell Hanby, my co-host of What's Making News, is on the other end of the line. Welcome, Russell. Thanks, Henry. How are you, my friend? I'm well, thanks, and uh, you're well too? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, you know, we're counting down the days to school holidays. Uh, not that, That's right. Not that we're desperate to get away from the kids and our work, but, you know, I think everybody does that. You can enjoy your work and still look forward to your holiday break, can't you? You can, yes. And it's been an interesting term. We've had uh, no lockdowns on schools this year. We've had them here, even though some kids have had COVID and some staff. We've stayed open and it's been a pretty productive term, I would say, you know, as good as you could expect in the circumstances. Oh, that's very good, yes. Mm. Now, I had a bit of homework, even though we weren't doing regular homework. I know. Tell us what your homework was. Did did you do it? We came out of the odd spot about this flamingo that was a dating capture. And uh, it was picking on a bit uh, doing that. And you said, well, how long do flamingos live? Well, I've done a bit of research, and the average is about 25 to 30 years. Now, in captivity, some have lived up to 40 years. Some actually lived to 50, and one was even recorded at 70. So they live a fair age in captivity, where I suppose they're looked after and don't have predators and things. Um, And uh, they're actually born white or grey. Why they turn pink is due to their diet of uh, alpha plus beta, uh, alpha and beta carotenoid pigments. That's the same pigment that's in carrots, I think, uh, that pinky colour. Now, uh, according to the Guinness Book of uh, World Records, the oldest confirmed bird, not just uh, um, flamingo, is uh, is a cookie. It's a pink or major Mitchell cockatoo that lived to the age of 83 at the Brookfield Zoo near Chicago. Um, and in the wild, the oldest known bird is Wisdom. It's a 71-year-old albatross born in 1951 and still alive, actually. Um, and it's uh, based on Midway Atoll, which is an American territory. And it laid an egg at the ripe old age of 67. Gosh almighty. Gee, yes. <laughs> so they live a fair age, don't they, these birds, yeah. some of them? Well, if you stay in captivity, you could live to be 120. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got a good program here. Um, Russell, some interesting topics. Well done on your homework. Much appreciated. Um, harmful vape products face a ban. Brightly coloured vaping products with flavours such as bubblegum and fairy floss that claim to be nicotine-free could be banned in a national crackdown as new research finds e-cigarettes are harmful and addicting youth. Um, that was supposed to be the panacea for nicotine addiction and um, the eels of tobacco, um, Russell, not so. That's right. Um, a group of uh, pro-vaping coalition backbencher MPs may give fierce resistance to the ban. Uh, in 2020, they actually defeated Health Minister Greg Hunt's attempt to ban liquid nicotine imports. They feel that they are useful in quitting uh, cigarette smoking. Now, the Australian National University found that vaping is causing addiction in a new generation of users, leading to young people going three times more likely to take up cigarette smoking which is sort of contrary to what they were meant to prevent uh, or to cut out. Uh, Lead author Professor Emily Banks from the Australian National University Centre for Epidemiology says vapes deliver hundreds of chemicals, some of them known to be toxic. Now, the review found the use of nicotine e-cigarettes increased the risk of adverse health outcomes, including addiction, poisoning, seizure, trauma, burns, and lung injury. And uh, for nicotine products, you do need a GP prescription, but others, uh, which some say they don't have nicotine, but apparently actually do, you can easily get them from shops. 
And the Cancer Council Victoria wants the products banned, these products, and wants all products uh, to need a doctor's prescription. Mm, yes, uh, I had my doubts about that sort of stuff from the beginning, you know, um, uh, and it's just been confirmed and the, the amount of chemicals in there and um, what, what it can lead to as a link uh, were always a worry and, of course, they are. And you know what? I don't look, They look terrible, I reckon. You see somebody sucking on one of those vaping cigarettes and the fumes go everywhere. It, uh, it doesn't even look good. Let alone, no. more importantly, it isn't good for us. And uh, uh, they're now they're flavoured, as we said at the uh, start, and uh, that attracts children, of course. That uh, anything sweet doesn't it? You know. Yeah, I've been to some Asian countries where you go into some of their shopping centres and not even smoke, and you smell all this apple and other fruity scents, and you look around. There's people with these um, smoking apple apple scented cigarettes or, or, or whatever, and yeah, that can't be good for them either. No, it's, it's a bit like uh, back in the old days, going back decades, when menthol cigarettes, uh, because it was had a, an easier taste, I suppose, you tended to think that they were doing you good, but they were just as bad, if not worse, with their tar content, you know. Mm, yeah, they did. I remember that. I never smoked, though, Russell. So, but but no, I take the I take the point. It it was, and then they always had the Marlborough man. Remember the Marlborough man, the, oh, yes. the handsome, oh. rugged horse riding man. Yes, on his horse. I remember you'd see billboards out in the country, perhaps, with this fellow on the horse and with his hat on and that, like his Akubra type hat, and they're sort of the real manly image they he used was, to promote. He was rugged they? and he was a very handsome man, very athletic, and there he was in the outback. And of course, the point was, many years later, he uh, he became an anti-smoking advocate, and uh, because of all the cigarettes he smoked doing the ads, he became addicted, and he eventually died of lung cancer. Yes, I remember that now. Mm. It's jogged my memory. Yes, yeah, so. yes. Mm. so there's a, a very sad irony to the Marlboro man. That's, That's what, right. So he was called the Marlboro man, wasn't he? Yes, he was, yeah. and uh, uh, and uh, so uh, that was a, a different era then. Mm. Other news, Russell, things, interesting things happening? Well, healthy kids stay healthy. This isn't the quite a We thought we'd try something else. <laughs> yeah. uh, having uh, an unhealthy childhood raises a person's chance of suffering a heart attack or stroke in the following decades, far more than previously feared, uh, leading researchers found. This was from the Herald Sun. And uh, the 50, they did a 50-year-old study, and they found adults who had several risk factors in their childhood faced between two and nine times the risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, the Murdoch Children's Research Institute study found that BMI, the blood mass, body mass index, uh, blood pressure, and cholesterol, triglycerides, and youth smoking, like we were talking about a minute ago, were overwhelmingly linked to heart attacks and strokes from as early as 40 uh, cardiovascular disease is still the highest single cause of death in Australia. And they did a study of 38,589 participants from Australia, Finland and the United States from ages 3 to 19 and followed them for 35 to 50 years. What they found was 60% of those who had childhood risk factors had greatly increased chances of suffering cardiovascular problems by middle age, especially those with more extreme or multiple childhood factors. In a way, it's not 
unsurprising, I suppose, is it, that that happens? No, not unsurprising at all. I mean, it uh, it would be surprising if it, it didn't result in that. On the other side of the coin, the Victorian State Government, Russell, same issue, is funding a new workforce of, quote, healthy kids advisors who will visit sports clubs, recreation centres, libraries, neighbourhood housing to spread that message. And I think Stephanie Alexander's Kitchen Garden Foundation will lead this program, and she was really excited to expand the ideas it already taught. Uh, and if you can get to the kids, um, it's always easier to for children to be adaptable more so than adults. They tend to be, and 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 we all are creatures of habit. It's always harder to change bad habits, um, and it's it's also harder to lose good habits. So um, this is a good yep. initiative. And of course, in the last twenty years, kids have had all these screens and games and that, haven't they? That uh, takes a lot of their sedentary time, which we didn't have perhaps uh, in earlier decades. Absolutely, Russell. Um, that's so. So um, uh, interesting too. Woolworths has shown that people are being doing more home cooked meals, eating less processed food. So, so there's been some positives. It's never all bad news, um, even in bad times. So, well, rarely is it. So, there's something you can channel out of it that could be positive. So, that's a good one. Healthy kids stay healthy. We're going to take a short break, Russell. Um, you're not going away to have a cigarette, are you? No, no, I won't. No. <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack. We're in the middle of What's Making News with co-host Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. I won't sing it, but there is a song, no. isn't there? A Home yes. Among the Gum Trees in the Herald That's song. right. Can you sing it? Yeah. Because you're better no, singer was, than me. I was, think, I was thinking of that when I read that phrase. But, you know, we know all about it. Uh, I think my grandson, when he was at kindergarten, they sang that at their end of year end of year concert. Yeah, that was a catchy one. Yeah, the kids used to sing that. It's it's an. Well, we're not going to do it. We want our listeners to stay with us. We don't want to lose them. (laughs) Anyway, this home among the gum trees. It's a piece about rewards in our regions: Northern Grampians, Greater Bendigo, and Wodonga City have been named among the top 10 affordable regional areas in Australia for 22. Why is that, and what what's happening, Russ? Well, the median house prices uh, in those three places are under 550000 uh, They have strong capital growth potential and low unemployment rates. What that's doing is enticing the work-from-home home buyer brigade to perhaps move to those areas. They also have higher rental yields and, unlike Melbourne, a lower vacancy rate. Uh, now, PRD real estate chief economist uh, Diazwati Mardiasmo I hope I've got that right. He said that the regions had job opportunities and security and the lowest prices. They also have more, they're also more of a stable investment as they're not dependent on the international movement like Melbourne, say, the, the capital cities. Now, the, uh, looking at some of the median house prices, Melbourne's is around a million dollars now, not much short of that. Uh, the Northern Grampians median's only 287,000 last year. Wodonga's 450,000. And even Greater Bendigo's 510,000, so well under half of uh, Melbourne's median. And um, although in Wodonga there has been a 20% increase in their house prices over the last year due to the influx from Melbourne and other places, so you're getting a bit of, uh, there will be a bit of pressure to raise those medians. Now, these regions do have an unemployment rate of much lower than the state average of 4.6. A couple of them are in the twos. So uh, that's the reason I suppose people are finding them. But as we said last week, have they got the infrastructure that people uh, enjoy in Melbourne? 
Yes, that's of course the issue um, and that's not always the case but that's not to say that uh, the regions don't have things to offer that uh, people would, would not get in Melbourne and also um, by getting more people there it will boost... Uh, it will boost uh, demand for infrastructure, which might lead to that. It's a bit of a circular thing. So um, it's uh, it's not all doom and gloom on that market, and it's not all, what's the other one? Not all roses. But um, the regions certainly have become far more popular, haven't they, uh, since COVID broke out? Yes, they have. No word. And of course, the charm of the regions often is because there's not that, not as many people and there's plenty of room to move. Of course, if everyone moves in there, that might change the dynamics a little bit, mightn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? The more people you get there, the, yeah. the, the more crowded it becomes, the more the environment is changed. But no, those places were Donger along the Murray River. Uh, you don't have to go very. You don't have to take a half an hour to get out of Wodonga to get to some scenic uh, places in bushland, the Grampians, uh, all around there. And Bendigo, you're 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 minutes, aren't you, from uh, a very very pristine natural environment? And uh, that's uh, a lot of people love that. Do mm. you like the bush? Yes, yes. So I lived in Warrnambool, but not that was that had a. I well, had a population of about 50,000 when I was there. much more than that now. That was back in the 70s, really. Mm. And uh, uh, but you could, as you say, you know, it would be great to go to drives about five minutes out of the town and you're in the bush heading to Timboon or mm. Port Ferry and it's just a different atmosphere. Mm. Mm. Yes, it is. It's, it, it's very alluring, particularly to Melbourne people. City people do like to get away from the hustle and bustle. Of course, some country people like to come in for a bit of the glitz and noise, don't they? The I guess they, yes, they the do. Thing. So it's... Uh, it's a, it's a wherever suits you and getting life balance. Um, the last one, Russell. Elvis. Yes, you liked Elvis. You were a real yes, Elvis fan. Luhrmann's Elvis, Luhrmann's Elvis in world premiere at Cairns. Australian director Baz Luhrmann, his new movie Elvis is a drama about the legendary king of rock, rock and roll. And that'll be a world premiere at the Cairns Film Festival next month. And, uh, uh, yes, Cairns has confirmed that Elvis, the movie filmed on the Gold Coast, actually here, will screen with Luhrmann and his key cast as guests. Uh, they Now, the cast, some of them are Austin Butler. He he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He plays Elvis Presley. Tom Hanks as he's, uh, plays his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. And Australia's Olivia de Jong as Priscilla Presley. And now filming was done in 2020. It was held up for several months because of COVID-19. Now, Lewin said he wanted not to just to tell a biography about Elvis, but to tell a story about the civil rights movement and the times of the 50s, 60s and 70s when Elvis was uh, really doing his thing. Yes. And Lewin, um, he co-wrote the script and produced the film with his wife, Catherine Martin. So it's a, a story about the times as much as anything, isn't it? Yeah, and he makes a very interesting comment. The great storytellers like Shakespeare, they didn't really do biographies. They used a life of a person as a canvas to explore a larger idea, something like Amadeus, for example. That wasn't really about Mozart. It was about jealousy. So um, it'll be interesting to see the film uh, because it'll be as much a... Uh, a glimpse back into the days of Elvis and his singing as America in the 60s and 70s in particular. Uh, very interesting. Yes. So I'll certainly be seeing it. Will you? Yes, and I'm going to the Elvis exhibition in Bendigo in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, at the Bendigo Art Centre, everyone come out with glowing reports about that uh, particular exhibition. Yeah. Look, um, people, the young ones of today, you know, um, they look at the pop stars of today. Elvis 
was a phenomenon, wasn't he? He really was. I was only a young kid, but my at the beginning of his career as a primary school, but even the primary school, you know, Elv, they used to call him Elvis the Pelvis. Remember that? I did. With his yeah, rating. And, the, and the, the parents of our parents' age group didn't like Elvis. They thought it was a no, bad influence. No, they, bad you know? influence. Decadent. I can remember yeah. really listening to people of the times in America, serious commentators, and going, ah, oh, this is almost the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> Elvis Presley will lead us down, you know, yeah. an, an evil path. <laughs> That's right. A bit, bit, bit like the long-haired Beatles. That, yeah, remember them too. Well, yeah, the Beatles. The, yeah, my dad used to call us Beatniks. He yeah. said, I can't retire all with you, beatniks will take over and that'll be the end of that. So I think it's a generational thing as much. Yeah, there, there was a rebellion against the status quo and the older generation finds it difficult. An example for me, Russell, is tattoos. We didn't do tattoos when I was young, but every other kid's no. got a tattoo now. I personally can't stand tattoos, but um, they're, they're pretty popular with the young. But not in your primary school even or not? No. Oh, no, them? they've got to be 18 to get a tat, I think. Do you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never okay. got a tat. No, I never, my, but my generation didn't do tats. Did no, no. Tat? I mean, no, it was only a sailors or ex cons sort of had them. And that we was equated it, tats with that. But you look at young people today and every other one's got tattoos and some of them are covered from head to foot now. Yeah. To me, I find that yuck. But That's right. My they father found the, long hair, yuck. <laughs> they, well, some of them have like the football, as you see, even too, don't they? Their whole arms are covered often uh, with their sleeve type tattoos. And uh, My only defence yeah. is at least when we got our hair long, we could cut it short and then grow it long again or keep it short. Or if you That's colour true. it in a silly way, you could uh, uncolour it. Of course, <laughs> tattoos, it's. Generally speaking, you've got them for life, haven't you? Yeah. Well, my bro my brother, who's a few years younger than me, uh, in his 70s though, he, uh, he's he been a mad keen Demons fan, Melbourne Demons, all his life and has never seen, of course, them come in and uh, win a final until last year, a grand final. He got a tattoo, the first one, and it's oh. a sort of red and blue devil type thing with Melbourne Premiers 2021 or something on his on his arm, yes. upper arm, so he can cover it to a degree if he needs to, that's yeah. one thing. Well, you'll be waiting a few years before you get a bomber on your arm because I don't <laughs> think they're anywhere near <laughs> You're safe. If you're worrying no. about having to match him, I don't think you need worry. They're not doing no, my, too well. My skin might be a bit wrinkly to put the... Absolutely. <laughs> now, time's on the wing. This is a fascinating odd spot, isn't it? Yes, so uh, 25 years after he bit a chunk of his world heavyweight rival Evander Holyfield's ear off and spat it onto the boxing ring, I think we all remember when that happened, Mike Tyson is selling cannabis lolly shaped like a piece of flesh, but not in Colorado. While Mike Bites gummies, that's what they're called, Mike Bites gummies oh. are on sale in California, they're prohibited in the centennial state because of a law that bans marijuana edibles from being shaped like humans animals, fruit, or other images that could attract children. So Tyson says he plans to modify the product to get around the law. That's more, well, it's odd, it's odd but it's also uh, bizarre and almost it's repugnant, actually, isn't it, in ways? So yeah. Fancy trying to get kids to take on marijuana, eat marijuana products. Yes, that's right. On a number of levels, that's uh, bad news, that story, isn't it, you know? about that yeah i remember that tyson did that um he got banned for a while for that didn't he as he should have yeah i think he did yes mm. 
It's disgusting. Well, time's up, Russell. Um, It's been a good one. No homework for you for two weeks, and we'll be back with What's Making News in exactly three weeks' time. Right, we'll have a good break away and uh, we'll all recharge our batteries. And it'll be post-Anzac Day too. Yes, it will. Just after, isn't it, I think? Yes, it should be interesting, our conversation, Magpie versus Bomber. That's right, the big game that's uh, held every year. That was Kevin Kevin Sheedy's idea many years ago, wasn't it? It was. I went to the one that led to it, the draw, and I think about 1986 approximately. Mm. It was around about then, um, or 96, whenever it was. Uh, might have been 96, actually, I think. Uh, the draw between Essendon and Collingwood. And, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been something special ever since. Well, you have a great weekend. We'll take a break, listeners, and uh, enjoy your weekend. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossick and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 